David Zaritsky for the Bond Experience. Welcome back. You recognize this gentleman right here. He was my colleague in arms to talk about all things Bond. David Williams, welcome back to the show. We're starting to look quite alike. I, this is on purpose. Is there, are you okay with this? Yeah, you look great, actually. You look very well. Have you had work done? Yeah, I've had so much work. You, you know what? I have not. I've, I've had a beard grown. That's the work I've had. But this is like four colors. Yeah, mine, mine, is, mine is pretty white, actually. So I'll probably have to be either dyeing it at some point or shaving it off because it'll start, I'm going to start looking like Father Christmas. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare because the gray and silver, that's very in right now. Okay. <laughs> I, want beard, I want a beard like um, Pierce's at uh, the beginning of Die Another Day. Yes. Yeah. Unruly, but sexy at the same time. I love that. I thought that was one of the best opening sequences, actually. I, do too. I thought it was so inventive how they used the, uh, the credit sequence for storytelling and yeah. for passage of time. Because you don't normally, in Bond films, you don't normally get a, a, any sense of, a, of time passing. Certainly not, not months or years or anything like that. And so I thought they did that really, really well. And it worked actually well with the track that I know some people didn't like the Madonna song, but I thought actually in the context of the opening of that opening sequence, I thought it worked really well. I've, I find that with Die Another Day, you get this di diversive kind of discussion, but quite frankly, they, everybody loves the first half and that opening is so strong. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So much to it. And Pierce was so, was so fantastic. And he's just, he's such an amazing ambassador, I think for the role. He's just such a, you, whenever I see him, I smile, you know, yeah. even if I'm just scrolling through Instagram and I see a picture of him, he's of a great sense of humor, very at ease with himself, um, very at ease with getting older. I mean, he looks amazing, um, oh gosh, but, you yeah. know, he doesn't, he doesn't try and disguise that, does he? And he just kind of gets on with being, um, being Piers Brosnan, which seems like a great, a great thing to be, to be Piers Brosnan. And he looks like he's enjoying himself. I don't know if you saw any of the uh, Golden Eye watch along that he did. Yes. It was amazing to watch him do that. And, you know, yes, he got flustered, but it was so real and authentic. I loved it. Yes. I heard a story, though, that when he was filming Die Another Day, Pierce is, uh, I went to the set actually um, because of my friendship with David Arnold. He took me and uh, me and uh, a friend of ours called Mark Gatiss, who's a brilliantly talented comedian and, and writer, who actually co-created Sherlock series, amongst other things. So you may know of his work. He's very, very yeah. talented. Guy. And um, we were chatting to Pierce. He was really nice. I mean, he, he wouldn't have known who either of us was, but he was like, he met us at the start. Hello, David. Hello, Mark. And then we were chatting for 20 minutes. And when the conversation ended, he was like, really nice to meet you, David. Really nice to meet you, Mark. And it was like, Oh, great. And then he was whistling the Bond theme to David Arnold. What? And then anyway, but there was a funny story because Piers was always very, very professional and very, um, you know, not one of those actors ever to keep anyone waiting. But apparently the one day where there was a the standoff was the day when Madonna was on set because Madonna was determined to be the last person to come onto the set because sometimes there's a hierarchy in movies where the bigger star you are, you know, you, it's like you, will, you only arrive when everything's ready for you to begin. And obviously Madonna being Madonna wanted it to be Madonna as the last person, but also he's James Bond. So if there's one person who should walk onto the set last of James Bond, and apparently it was the two of them. It was like, oh, who's gonna, who's, who's, come on, someone's gonna get there first. <laughs> um, 
there's all those funny stories, aren't there, about people's trailers being, you know, people measuring how far they are from the set and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Pierce was very, very loved. And, um, and I met him a few times. He was so charming to me. And did I tell you the story? I met him at a friend's wedding. And I was chatting to him. And I couldn't believe I was, you know, chatting to James Bond. And he doesn't disappoint because he's actually quite a lot like James Bond. And, um, and then a couple of days later, I was on a date um, in Soho House, this sort of this bar in London with this girl. And he was in there and he was like, oh, hi, David. He was just like, and I was on a date with this girl. This girl was like, James Bond just said hello to me. I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really, uh, I don't really know him that well at all, but he was just, he's just so charming and friendly. You nice couldn't ask for a better wingman than to actually have James Bond say hello to you in no, front of a date. No, but I think, think he's, he's not trying, I don't think he's trying to be charming. I just think he's naturally yeah. incredibly charming and so good natured. And he's got a great sense of humor about himself. And he comes over very well in everything or nothing, doesn't he? Because he has quite, you know, it's quite a sad end to his, to his run as Bond, doesn't he? I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. He was great. The audience loved him. He, you know, made, billions for the for for mgm and everybody but at the same time it was like you know he, it, it ended without him wanting it to end which is not how you know you would want to yeah. go out if you were a bond would you want to know it's your last one in a way wouldn't you but he's such a gentleman i mean i he's never trashed the franchise or the people or, or barbara or michael uh if anything he just says yeah this is what happened and then we said goodbye and, and that was it there was a certain cold finality to it but that's i think the the harsh it ever got yeah, and I think that is the that is the film business, isn't it? And it kind of, you know, what now we look back upon, you know, the way those films changed, it felt like it was a necessary change, but at the same time, um, I guess it went away. It was Barbara and Michael being ahead of the curve because the audience yeah. would have very happily had another Pierce Brosnan movie, maybe another few Pierce Brosnan movies, but they knew, I think, they, in the way they talked about it, instinctively they knew they had to do something new, they had to reinvent things after 9-11, yeah. and that's why they come up with Casino Royale, which I'm looking at some lists that were published um, today and yesterday about Bond aficionados' favorite Bond movies. Yes. So what do you make of these, of these lists? People are doing their top five movies. You know, I've got to respect them. There's a, there's a lot of people I think you know and I know, but um, I was surprised that Goldeneye hit number one. It was Casino Royale number two, and Goldeneye was number one. Um, I can't say I agree with all of them. I mean, you know, quite frankly. And then you had some some real favorites, like from Russia with Love, that didn't quit, hit as high as I thought. So, no. really oh, subjective. Well, yeah, it's subjective, isn't it? And in a way, it's good we all have our different favorites. That's that's a lot. What do you what do you got there? Soup or something? What <laughs> no, this yeah. is um this is uh, pressed carrot juice and uh, fresh ginger. Blimey. It's amazing. Man after this or something like that? <laughs> no, this is this is just um I don't drink it all the time but it's it's such an energy boost. It's amazing because I only drink um I'm down to one yeah. cup of coffee a day. Right, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. Yes, I know but I I think what's good is that we don't all agree on what is the best movie because if we all agreed it would be like well, you know, there'd be a definite hierarchy of of the movies and there'd be kind of no discussion. But actually means that there's so many great movies that that even people who are fanatical will all pick different ones. I guess it's exactly. like Beatles albums or something, isn't it? It's like 
very hard to define which is the best one because there's at least half a dozen that you could easily say that's the that's the greatest achievement. Absolutely. And it, I also I was pleased though to see lots of um, more recent Bond movies top of the list because you would hate to think that all the ones that people loved had been made you know 40 50 years ago and and actually it's not the case is it one's made in the last decade or so or higher on the list. Skyfall oh, was Skyfall isn't higher. Yeah, but it, it was pretty decent. I think it was at least in the top 10. Um, and it is. It's so interesting. I've always tell people, especially non-Bond fans, you know, a Bond film is like sex and pizza, that even when it's bad, it's still good. So, you know, you can't, I'd rather watch the worst Bond film than, you know, the best of a lot of other things. Yeah. And also, I always think a Bond film that even you might not entirely enjoy every aspect of it, there's still some brilliant things in it yes. there'll still be an incredible action sequence there'll be a brilliant score there'll be some brilliant performances uh, uh whatever it is so you i don't think there's any bond movies you can you can write off um oh, 100%. maybe the, the 60s casino royale is quite hard going it is i on my third try i did get through the whole thing but not well no it's it but the the I think it was such a disastrous experience for those people making the movie. Because I'm a big Peter Sellers fan, so I read, um, I've, I've read a few biographies of him, and I think he, he basically couldn't find a way to make it funny. He couldn't find a way to play James Bond and make him funny. Yeah. And I think, and then he sort of, he just left the movie at one stage, and so that's when David Niven pops in. So basically, the film just makes no sense whatsoever. But then you have. Orson Welles as Le Chiffre, and you go, oh, couldn't we have Le Chiffre in like, you know, like an official Bond movie? And couldn't we also maybe have The uh, Look of Love? Um, oh, yeah. You know, sung, sung by Dusty Springfield, uh, Hal David and Bert Bacharach. Couldn't we have that as, yes. a, as, a, as a Bond song? It's, what, it's such an incredible, incredible song. That's interesting. That's so take certain aspects. And I actually thought, um, Age aside, maybe um, David Nivens was great. I mm. thought he was fun and everything. It was it was the cowboys and the and the flying Russian or the roulette uh, tables at the end that sort of did me in. Yeah, well, there's a certain sort of '60s spoofy sort of movie where just things go bonkers. Um, yeah. What's new, Pussycat? Is a bit like that as well. It's just kind of like '60s and the party, Blake Edwards movie. It's a bit like just like surreal stuff just happens and there's no real sense to it. And people are running around and there's lots of silly music and maybe custard pies and things like that. And then the film just ends and you go, oh, okay. That's how films used to end in the 1960s. Um, but they can still be rather charming. By the way, I've got, since we, we jumped right into it without any ado, which is great. I had a lot of questions from people last time. Um, that people wanted to know, especially during a pandemic like this, what are some of your Bond distractions that you have? And first of all, people think you're a day in the life of David Williams is you get up and three people bathe you and, and then you walk in a cashmere robe and right. There's only two people that bathe you. That's you're cutting back clearly. Um, the day involves me persuading my son that he really should watch a Bond movie with me later that day. Because, because we're on, um, uh, I'm homeschooling my son who's seven and a half. Um, so we have like, we, we normally would only have a movie night at the weekend, but we can have them 
you know, during the week too. But of course, if you're seven and a half, there's all the Marvel movies and all that kind of stuff. So it's trying to sort of move him more towards Bond. But he has an unusual favourite Bond movie, which is Live and Let Die. He loves oh. Live and Let Die. He loves the, I guess, the forward momentum of it, the spookiness of it, the grittiness of it. Um, he's and he loves he loves the song as well and likes to dance around to that. So he's really into that. And he and he often asks if Jaws is in is in the Bond movie. So he'll want to watch it. And he likes to watch Spy Love Me and Moonraker because because Jaws is in those ones. Um, um, but obviously, kids, you know, they like their Marvel movies as well, don't they? And uh, and so it's trying to sometimes steer them away from them and 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 into Bond. Well, I I have to ask the natural question as a as a father who has a son who introduced his son. To James Bond films, what was the first movie you contemplated and said, "Right, this is the first one that my son needs to see"? Well, we, what I did was I was with my two nephews as well, who were just a little bit older than my son, and I thought, I don't want to do. I'm going to show them some bits from the Smile You Love Me because mm. they're not going to understand the talky bits. So this was my first Bond movie at the cinema. And I thought I'm going to show them the action sequences. And, and, and they were all really hooked. They all loved um, the, uh, the shark in the pool, the shark's battle with Jaws. They loved that. Obviously they loved the car going off the jetty and it's the sea level, the ski chase. Of course. Um, they loved the fight in Giza, which is, uh, you know, where with, between uh, Jaws and Bond and, uh, Agent Triple X. They, they basically liked it all. So we went through, we found all the really fun bits and not too many of the talky bits. Um, and, uh, and they were into it. So I sort of showed them a sort of shortened version because I was so keen to get them um, into James Bond. And then my nephews are really, really into it. And I took them and my son to the set at the last one, which was brilliant. So they had a, an amazing time when we got to hang out with Danny and everything. I think oh. I told you about that last time. And, and from then we watched Moonraker, which is a kind of companion piece, isn't it, really? Just yeah. I love you know, same director, Jaws makes a return, obviously, Roger's back and everything. So we start off with those and then we went on to, to Live and Let Die. So I think that's a good collection. And he's seen bits of other ones as well. But okay. I, I think it'd be a while till we, till we watch like On a Magic Secret Service, because I think that is one, I, I think it's one to watch maybe when you're about 12 or something like that, I think, because it's, it's got a lot of heart and emotion and yeah uh, even though the action sequence is spectacular i think uh i think it's it's not the cartoony world so much as some of the roger ones which are a little bit more child friendly yeah is it easier because i mean i agree with you in the sense that when my son was young and i think he was also your son's age give or take um i think the first one was moonraker and then octopussy which octopussy today is his favorite movie today You've shown only Roger Moore so far. Would it be would it be harder to show him kind of the Daniel Craig movies? Is that for when he's ten or eleven? We have watched some parts of the Daniel Craig movies as well. So we have um, we have watched Spectre and Skyfall, but we haven't seen um, we haven't seen Casino Royale or Quantum of Solace in entirety. Again, I often show him bits because I think he's more likely to be interested in a sort of you know an action sequence rather than a talky bit. Um, but yeah, we did watch some of the Daniel ones because I knew he was, we were going to go and meet Daniel on the set. And I thought, 
if he's going to turn up and inspect it to see Roger Moore, he's not going to understand <laughs> Daniel Craig. <laughs> but at one stage, I was saying, "Oh, we're going to meet Daniel Craig now," and and my son was going, "I don't even know who Daniel Craig is," and it was like, "No, no, sorry, he's James Bond." Because obviously, when you're a kid, you don't really necessarily know that there's someone who is Iron Man, who his name right. is not Iron Man, um, and so uh, and so it was quite funny. But yeah, so I'm kind of getting him into it. But you've got to be careful, haven't you? Because you can you can put children off things by introducing them too too young or just you know trying to push them into something. They like to make their own choices. But the one great thing is there's so many great Bond toys out there. So we've got Scale Extrix track. Nice. We've got all the vehicles, and so we spent a lot of time playing with them. And he loves he loves the Lotus Esprit, and he loves also. Um, the Aston Martin DB5, so so he's definitely into the cars and, and some of the gadgets. And we've all, there's also a brilliant museum, which hasn't been open for a while in London, but it's the uh, it's the film London Film Museum, which has held the Bond in Motion exhibition, which we've been to many times as well. So that's a great introduction for kids. It unfortunately yeah. closed about a week or so ago. Yeah, um, but it's, but it's it was a, we used to go there all the time. I mean, I've been there about ten times. Oh my gosh. More yeah. because I want to go than he wants to go. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, to be up, up, up that close to all the, all, the, all the cars is fantastic for kids. That's amazing. Do you, I mean, there's a discussion right now going on. Nobody knows what No Time to Die is going to look like, feel like, other than the trailers. But you know, they, they've said that the Daniel Craig films have a certain serious, seriousness to them that some of the older ones didn't, especially Roger Moore. And, and people say, when it comes to Bond 26, it'd be great to have fun again. You know, just not, maybe not as angsty. I mean, do you feel, especially for the younger generation, like, you know, in a couple of years when your son watches Bond 26, uh, do you think he's going to be hoping for something a little bit more frivolous? Well, Edgar Wright, who's a good pal of mine, is a brilliant film director who directed Baby Driver, amongst other great things. He says Bond is a bit like, um, you have dark chocolate and you have milk chocolate. So Sean Connery's dark chocolate Roger Moore's milk chocolate, <laughs> and then, and then he says, "Yeah, like Piers Brosnan was milk chocolate, and then Daniel Craig is dark chocolate." So he seems to think we're due mm. some milk chocolate, which is obviously um, milk chocolate's a bit more fun than dark chocolate, isn't it? Really, um, it's not it can quite, be. It's not quite as good for you, but <laughs> right, it's it, it sort of it's more fun. Um, I think you know it could go in that direction. My personal feeling is if I was running the show, which I'm not. But I think, I think Bond is often at its best when it's given over to you know, a really great filmmaker with a vision. You know, be it, be it Sam Mendes, uh, be it Lewis Gilbert, whoever. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the films are distinguished by being directed, authored by really talented people. And I'd have thought, you know, if you, for example, if they said, oh, Christopher Nolan, we want you to come and do three Bond movies. Well, you're going to trust Christopher Nolan to cast it, um, to have a vision of it, to have a feel of it and everything, and, and reinvent it in his way. And I, and I think it would be interesting um, to be given over to a filmmaker with a vision mm. um, to create a new era in that way that, you know, Batman has a sort of Tim Burton era, doesn't it? And has a Christopher Nolan era. And, and so I kind of think, um, and I think definitely... You know, I, I'd love to have seen Sam Mendes do more. I thought he did a brilliant job. He did. And he really understood how to use uh, 
the cast, and he really, I mean, because he because he really cast, you know, he cast uh, uh, Money Penny and Q, and uh, and also by the time you get to Spectre, he's using them in a big way, isn't he? And oh, yeah. uh, and Ben Whishaw, such a brilliant actor, amazing. Uh, yeah, and it's a completely different. When you know, when I heard he was Q, I knew he was a great actor. But I was like, hang on, Q, he's not young, he's not this. But he, they found a brilliant way of doing it, didn't they? And so. Um, and so Sam, I'm sure, brought a lot of great of his own great ideas because he's, you know, such a brilliant theatre director and such a brilliant film director. So I hope that they, you know, that they they partner up with someone who, like a Christopher Nolan, who's got a vision, who wants to do something with it that's that's a bit different. So it has has a feel. It has a, yeah. you know, has it, it 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 gets reinvented in some way. But I don't yeah. know who that is. I mean, I'd love it to be Edgar Wright, who's a genius. He is. Um, I love his work. I mean, I think he would probably rather do like a milk chocolate Bond because he, you know, he's he's got a lightness of touch to his yeah. to a lot of his work. You know, he's done lots of comedies and things. But um, you know, someone like that who's got a vision. And there's always this talk of this Tarantino Bond movie. Do you know about this? Oh yeah, when he was uh, pitching it to Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Yeah, but also apparently there was there was a version where he was pitching he was pitching Daniel Day Lewis playing Bond. In Whoa. A, yeah, in a fifty to set Casino Royale in the fifties, and, oh, wow. and 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 uh, do a one-off with Daniel Day Lewis as as James Bond, which is really really extraordinary. That's interesting. I've never thought of him as James Bond. No, I mean, obviously, he's had a long career, and he, he Daniel Day Lewis. I remember when he first started he was something of a heartthrob, and but you know he's very angsty, isn't he? He's not what you necessarily associate. Um, with all the James Bonds, but obviously he's a brilliant actor and can do anything. Obviously it's not gonna happen now, but right. it's an intriguing um, another universe, isn't there, where there's a, you know, there is a, there is a version of Casino Royale set at the time with Daniel Day-Lewis in it that Quentin oh. Tarantino has directed. Selfishly, I would have loved to have seen that. Do you know the, the Steven Spielberg story as well? So, is this where he didn't think he was going to have enough creative rights and control and he well, stepped away? Well, the story that, um, and I'm sure she won't mind me telling because it's quite a sweet story, um, is that before Steven Spielberg had directed Jaws, so he'd only just done two movies then, hasn't he? It was Sugarland mm -hmm. Express and um, what's the, Jewel as well. I think he'd probably only just done those movies. And he met Cubby Broccoli and he said, I really want to direct a Bond movie. And Cubby Broccoli went, oh, you're a, just a kid. I mean, he probably was in his 20s then. You can't direct a Bond movie. And then, of course, um, Steven Spielberg went on to uh, direct Jaws. And then, of course, he had that amazing run where he did, you know, E.T., Close Encounters, Raising mm -hmm. the Star, all of that, you know, all these, all these um, iconic movies. And many years later, Steven Spielberg won all the Oscars for Schindler's List. And Cubby Broccoli, being gentleman he is, wrote a letter of congratulations to Steven Spielberg. And Steven Spielberg wrote back, now can I direct a bomb movie? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is such a wonderful, touching, touching uh, uh, story, isn't it? Because it shows it's still, still somehow in Spielberg's mindset, actually, that kind of still, you know, rankles with him that he still never got to do it. And oh, uh, so and it's just so sweet, isn't it? Can't be writing a letter to congratulate, you know, um, a fellow filmmaker like that. It was yeah. a very, 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 very sweet story. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's finding there's so many great filmmakers out there with a vision, mm. like Denis Villeneuve or something. You know, it's finding someone I think um, who who wants to take it on, wants to reinvent it. <laughs> My dogs are barking. Somebody at the door. They were barking about nothing at all. <laughs> As they should, they're dogs. Yeah. Mm. By the way, I like your mug. I recognize it completely. Yeah. 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 Mug. yeah. Those are that. fun. <laughs> By the way, yeah, I mean, um, a total, total cliche question, since you're talking about filmmakers, do you have a favorite potential Bond actor for Bond 26? Um... No, I can't really figure it out, actually, because it's getting someone at exactly the right moment in their career and age, isn't it, where they've just done some great, exciting work. Um, they're not too associated with another role already. Yeah. Because people talk about Henry Cavill, who, who could be great as Bond, but obviously he's already been Superman. And so, you know, that might for some people go, well, can you be Superman and James Bond? I don't know. Some, for some people, I mean, Indiana Jones was Han Solo and Indiana yeah, Jones. It's I mean. true, actually. It's true. Um, and but they were pretty different characters, actually, weren't they? Um, they were. Yeah. So I don't. I don't really know. I, I can't really figure it out who it can be. But I mean, you want someone. I mean, Daniel was a highly respected actor that I'd seen on stage a lot of times. He'd done some incredible TV work. He'd done some big film roles. But he was not like, you know, like a mega movie star. So sometimes we often think about people who are already mega movie stars. And in a way, sometimes it's better if you're not a mega movie star. Maybe yeah. you made your name on television or something. But no, I, don't, I can't really figure out who it can be. But I think Daniel is a really tough act to follow. Yes. Because I think most of us would love to see him do more. I mean, I know he's now in his 50s, but he looks great. He looks great. Um, he's really kind of relaxed into the role. He's brought more humor as he's gone along. Um, he's kind of calling time on it, even though I don't get the sense that the public want him to call time on it. You know, it's not like anyone's going, he's too old for this now. He looks great. He's totally into the role. He's now got a huge career outside of Bond and we just gladly see more and more of him, but it's just part of his whole mystique, isn't it? That he just is like, no. I know when the time is right and I'm now walking away from it. Yeah. Incredible, you think it's now as long between Bond movies, isn't it, as 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 it was between License to Kill and Goldeneye. We're we're three to four months away from from hitting the record. Mm. It's not a record that somebody wants to hit, obviously. But I, I agree with you with Daniel Craig. I, I remember the last time it was delayed. It's even funny to even say that. Um, and he was on Saturday Night Live. And he, I just looked at him and I'm like, what the actual F? I mean, he's my age. He looked amazing. And then he did these model shots with his shirt off. And I'm like, what's, what's going on here? He's he never looked better. He's just getting better and better and better. And I think he's more, he seems more relaxed. I think, I mean, my sense is that he, he was never someone who got into acting to become famous or anything like that. I think he just, yeah. he's just like a brilliant actor who happens to also be really good looking. And then he became a superstar um, because of Bond. But that, I don't think that was his, you know, it was his aim. I don't think, I think maybe he sort of struggled a little bit with becoming that famous because I mean, you're so famous that you can't, 
there's nowhere you can go because Bond is famous everywhere in the world. So mm. that, that's, that's, you know, that can be a difficult thing to live with because you, at some point you're going to want to turn it off and just, I don't know, just be ignored for five minutes. But I guess yeah. it doesn't happen for him. But anyway, but he feels like, it feels like he's very at home in the role and very at, home, at peace with being him. And, um, and so, yes, I'd, I'd love him to continue, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so I don't know who it can be, but I'm trying to think. It's basically, you're kind of thinking now, someone who's probably in their sort of late 20s, who's mm. done some great work, who's an exciting actor, who's got kind of a bit of a rough edge to them, perhaps. Yeah. It, 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 is, it is so hard to call it. I've um, often thought that sometimes, and this complicates everything, of course, you know, there's been so much discussion about possibly the, the franchise owners currently selling off the franchise. And there's been, you know, talks and discussions, all rumors, of course, nothing substantiated. But, you know, if somebody like an Apple or a Netflix or somebody like that, even uh, Amazon, was to purchase the franchise, I would imagine they wouldn't mind somebody commercial like Henry Cavill, for example, as opposed to, I think if they continue, the family continues to own it, they're going to want to get a relative unknown, I would think. Yeah, there's also that. I think, I think what, can, what could happen if it was sold is that suddenly people want to exploit it in all media in the way that they, you know, like Star Wars, you suddenly have a lot more Star Wars. You know, you've got prequels, you've got sequels, you've got cartoon series, you've got um, live action series. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, there can be too much of something. Yeah. And it doesn't feel especially more. And the thing about Bond is it's always been special. It's never been sold out, has it, into something naff. You know, like, there's never been, like, silly spin-offs and things like that. It's always kept in this very prestigious place, which is why yeah. I'm glad, actually, they are waiting for cinemas to reopen for the film to actually come out, because I know there's lots of discussion with people saying, oh, you know, they should bring it on streaming. No, it's Bond. It's the crown jewels. Uh, certainly the British film industry, and I'd say the film industry in the world as well. And also, you know, maybe it's going to save cinema because if this movie comes out at the right time, yeah. you know, when it's safe for everyone to go back to the cinema, this could be the movie that saves the cinema industry because people are going to so want to go back to the cinema. And the great thing about a Bond film is you sort of know, you know you're going to get something that you really love. You know, you'll know it's going to be put together in a different way than last time, but basically you know you're going to have a great experience. There's no doubt, is there? Yeah. Bond film never disappoints. I, I have a quick story about that because you know I, I'm in the pharmaceutical arena for my vocation. And one of the things that I heard a lot of intensivist doctors, internists who were studying the pandemic, they said that during the 1900s, when we had the other pandemic about 100 years ago, uh, there was something that happened when the pandemic lifted and neutralized back then that they think is going to happen now. And that is you had the roaring 20s. And the roaring 20s happened because people were isolated and said, you know something, we're going to get dressed up to have a cup of coffee. We're going to go out dancing and be loud and we want to be with people. So the, the pendulum swung and the shift. And I think Bond could be the movie catalyst to that. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. And I think we're going to want something which is a a fantasy as well, aren't we? We're going to want to see something um, that's going to, you know, be escapist, going to transport yeah. us to another world. So I know it's very, very hard on the uh, the producers um, 
and the company, film companies, to be doing the right thing. But I do think my instincts tell me that they are doing the right thing. Um, it must be horrible to be running a cinema chain right now. But I do think if if someone if you go if you put this on streaming now, that will kill cinemas forever. Yeah. Because because then there will just be like no expectation of any big movie going um, going into cinemas, and people's habits will change too much. What do you feel about the mixed model, the Wonder Woman eighty four model, the in theaters and on streaming? Well, it didn't interest me enough for me to to watch it. <laughs> so I, I thought, you were the lucky one. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I I saw the first one. I enjoyed it. Um, I personally, I think that I love the trips to the cinema, and especially you know taking your family, taking my son whatever it's it's like a wonderful day out and i think something there's something psychological for me about sitting in the cinema and it and these images are projected from behind your head and it's basically like you're watching your own dream mm. i know that sounds perhaps a bit pretentious but yeah. but i think i think there is something about cinema um that however big a television you have at home it's just never going to be the same yeah. and also sharing an experience my friend edgar wright's just done this um amazing a piece in Empire Magazine where he's asked filmmakers to name these moments when you're sat in the cinema and everyone's, you know, everyone's experiencing the same thing at the same time. Like, like for example, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the swordsman goes to attack Indiana Jones and, and Indiana Jones is just tired out and just pulls out his gun and shoots him. And even though, um, you know, if you sort of analysed it, it's a bit of a dark moment, but everyone cheered when they saw it in the cinema, didn't they? Because it was so witty. Yeah. And we'd never seen a moment like that. And so he was talking about all these very special moments. Of course, Bond movies are full of them, not least, you know, um, Spyro Love Me, uh, you know, uh, uh, skiing off the uh, side of the cliff and the, and the uh, Union Jack Parachute opening. And I remember sitting in the cinema at age six and everyone applauding then. Um, and so he's done a piece about, about cinema and how important the communal experience of watching a movie mm. together. And I think Bond is definitely one of those common experience movies because there are often cheers, aren't there? Where you see the Aston Martin uh, DB5, you cheer, you hear the Bond yeah. music, you cheer Bond, I don't know, he uh, puts on his dinner suit and, you know, women whoop or something like that. I seem to remember in Casino Royale when you saw Daniel looking at himself in the mirror for the oh, first time yeah. in, his, in his dinner jacket, women were whooping because yeah. uh, he looks so sexy. Um, and so I think it's I think it's super important to seen in the cinemas. I'm not sure, I think Wonder Woman, from what I understand is that they were trying to launch this streaming service and I, they didn't really expect it to make, the film to make money. It just seemed like a shame really, um, because the film has probably not really been seen by many people in the way it was intended. I agree. I, I'm a real snob about the cinema. Like I'm a member of the British Film Institute in in London, where you can go and see old movies. And so, if a movie, if I haven't seen a movie, even though I might be desperate to see it, um, like a Fellini movie or something, I'll wait until it's on because I feel like I won't have properly seen it unless I've seen mm. it. Especially films that were really intended for the cinema. So I mean, films that are made before you know television was was as big as it is now. And I feel like so I'm a bit of a snob about it. So. I really, I really hate the idea that, that Bond premiered on television. You think it's it's bigger than that, and also I just don't think the maths works out because these films are so expensive now. Yeah. I don't know how much they spent 
on No Time to Die, but it's probably a hundred, I don't know, 400, 500 million. I think, it, I think it's 350, 375, something like that. That's a lot of money. Insanity. I wouldn't have thought you could make your money back unless it's on the cinema. But I think they just, you know, I just really hope they hold the nerve and, and we will all go back to cinema. I will happily go and see it three or four times in the cinema because I like nothing more than going to taking different groups. You know, I'll take my son and I'll take my mm -hmm. friends and I'll take my mom or, you know, go a few times. And, yeah. and, there's, nothing, and there's nothing better than that, is there really? Um, you know, I'll happily go two or three times in a week. I do the same thing. And I think there's there's a certain pride of ownership of a Bond film, even though certainly we don't own the franchise, but you take people there to show it off and go, you know, look at this, look at look yeah. at what I feel like I have ownership of. But when you talked about the projection, I have to tell you something in marketing terms, there's an actual term called projection, which is basically the ability for an ad campaign or a television commercial to take somebody and transport them and put them into that brand moment or that experience. And it creates an impact, obviously. So they got that from the cinema that you could project yourself behind and into the movie. And it's a nostalgic thing as well. So why would you give that up? I mean, if Bond is a nostalgic animal, I'm with you. I 100% I want to see it in a theater so much that I'll wait. Like if they want to go to 2022, first quarter, I'm actually okay with that. Let's hope it doesn't happen, but. Yeah, well, we're getting near to, to 60 years of James Bond, aren't we? We are. So <laughs> it might make sense. I think the complex thing about the pandemic is that you know, in, in the UK at the moment, we have some good news because um, a lot of people are getting their uh, vaccines. Mm. And so there's some optimism that life will go back to normal in, uh, you know, perhaps in the space of months rather than years. But obviously, for to release a movie like Bond, you need the entire world yeah. to be on the same page, don't you? you? You can't be just parts of Europe are good and other parts are not. Or, you know, you can't have cinemas have got to be open everywhere in the world for this movie to... Yeah to really take off. So um, so we will see. But Bond is always worth waiting for. So um, we've just got to hold on tight. And, I, and also, I think Daniel really deserves, if it really is going to be his last one, he really deserves his one song, doesn't he? He really deserves it to you know, be seen in the best way possible and for there to be as much fuss about it as possible. I agree. By the way, I would be absolutely remiss because of the theme of my channel being around Bond brands and the Bond lifestyle and things like that. Um, to talk about something with you is that you, you really do gravitate to the Bond lifestyle, whether it's the brands or your mug that you're drinking out of. Uh, you've done specials about James Bond where you, you put yourself into those moments in a lot of different ways. You were just quoted in a magazine article that you would love to write you know, for Bond. I mean, but this Bond lifestyle, I mean, how does it manifest itself for you? It can't just be about the clothes and the cars. Well, no, the thing about Bond is he's a bit of a snob, isn't he? Yeah. It's like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. <laughs> he doesn't even... End quote. He, he, doesn't even like, he doesn't even like the Beatles. In fact, we never really find out what music he likes, do we? Do we ever really find out what music he likes? I don't remember putting him, putting, him putting on music. No. Hmm. Um, be slightly strange, wouldn't it, really? If you got to go home and put on a, put on a record. Um, so for me, it's about sort of wanting the best of things, isn't it? You know, so he, he, you know, he won't put, you know, the best suits, the best shirts, the best shoes, the best cars, um, best drinks. He wants the best of everything, which is why I think they have to be careful when they are 
um, doing kind of tie-ins, merchandise tie-ins with the movies to make sure that he's staying with the brands that are like, because obviously if he just started sort of advertising uh, yogurt or something like that, he just wouldn't sort of be James Bond anymore, would he? It needs yeah. to be, you know, the right kind of vodka and everything. Um, and so for me, it's, uh, it's always intriguing to see, oh, right, okay, so, you know, you're looking at um, Daniel's clothes and you're thinking, okay, Tom Ford, you know, is that something, yeah. is there something I can, is there something Tom Ford I could get? And he, I mean, Tom Ford dressed Bond amazingly. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, he, he's never looked better, really, is he? I mean, I know it's not all Tom Ford, but a lot of it is, isn't it? And he looks incredible. I mean, this, the, the, the black overcoat and the sunglasses that he wears at the funeral uh, yeah. at the beginning of Spectre. Are those sunglasses, Tom Ford glasses? Uh, those are, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he just looks, just looks immaculate and exquisite in like every scene. Um, and Daniel manages to wear it in such a way that you think he's still getting his hands dirty. Mm. He doesn't look too, even though he looks immaculate at the same time, he can spring into action. Um, but yeah, um, so for me, it's about that. And also some of the retro brands, isn't it? Like Dougie Haywood, who made a lot of Rogers clothes. Like there's a beautiful overcoat um, that Roger wears in the New York scenes at the beginning of Women Let Die. Yes. Which is absolutely... Um, it's like a Crombie coat. It's got like the velvet here and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that was made from Dougie Haywood was a was a tailor. Dougie Haywood, I think, makes a brief appearance in the Italian job. Oh. And he made a lot of clothes for sort of people in that era, Michael Caine, sort of sixties and seventies. Um, and so yeah, I'm really I'm really into the clothes and um, and most of the cars. Um, the thing we've never had a great sense of where Bond lives, have we? We've seen where he lives a few times, but it's- uh, We have, yes, but Spectre, Live and Let Die, we yeah. see that. I like, in Live and Let Die, I rather like his, I rather like his flat. Um, I love it. Yeah, and I actually love that yellow bathrobe that he's, that he's it's, got. It's coming. Is There's it? a brand who's replicating it and the pajamas and the slippers. Which brand? It's Turnbull and Asser. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. That's exciting, because I thought it was about time someone did that because uh, a yellow a yellow bathrobe might not work, but it looks great in that movie, um, and uh, and it's just fun, isn't it? It's just yeah. it's just it's just it's fun, and it, it's also like they're the kind of movies that you'd like to step into if you could. Like I always thought, if I was like Jeff Bezos, billionaire, I would have every single Bond car lined up in the garage, including like the Citroen Two CB. And you know, every car he ever drove. I'd have every outfit from every movie. Yes. Um, so I'd have the safari suits, I'd have the kilts, I'd have the naval uniforms, everything. And I would just spend all day pretending to be James Bond, um, dressing up as him, driving the cars, um, eating the food, all that kind of thing. I just, just, just pretending to be him all day. It was a slightly tragic life. I, um, I would enjoy, I would enjoy it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think this is why you and I have gotten along so well for so long because that's my fantasy too. I mean, it's you know, there's a great line in Pierce Brosnan's Tomorrow Never Die, which I know you and I have so much heart for, uh, whether people do or not. We love it. But there's a great line where 
Michelle Yao says, you know, comes from, you know, growing up in the streets and he goes, well, you know, that comes from not growing up at all. And it's that whole charm of like never losing your, your youth, you know, the excitement, the wonder of everything. And I know for me, you know, um, when I wear a Bond outfit or clothing or, or I have a Bond watch on, it's an invisible moment. Nobody in the world knows. You know, it's like, I guess, you know, lingerie for a woman. Nobody knows what's going on, but I do. And, and it creates this wonderful mind escape. I love it. Mm. Yeah, it's like you're living a bit of a fantasy. I've ever had that where I've worn my like, Bond cufflinks or something like that. And I sort of think in my head, and even though I'm just taking my mum out for dinner, but at any moment, I might be called into action and I might get a message um, from M that, uh, you know, uh, I need to uh, report for duty or something like that, or there's been some kind of attack and I need to spring into action or, you know, it's just, it, what it is is I think it's like, Bond is like, there's another much more exciting world sort of going on sort of parallel to ours, isn't mm. there? It's like oh, yes. the, sort of the, the normal world exists, but there's another world that most people don't know about, which is, you know, it's not universal exports, you go in, and, and it's really MI6. And so when you do something like wear a Bond watch or cufflinks or bow tie or whatever, it's like you're just kind of poised, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Ready to go into the Bond world. Um, and I guess it's about never really losing that sense of play. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who writes books and scripts and things, I mean, I, I and yeah, acts and does comedy, it's like, I feel like I've never had to quite grow up. And you're right, being sort of playing at James Bond is like never quite growing up as well, isn't it? And that's part of the fun of it. You've, you've got your mind straight, you're fine. <laughs> so I have a pitch for you. Now I want you to consider it. I want you to contemplate it a little bit, but it's, it's a fantasy of mine, but I, I can imagine a Zoom call very much like this with you as the MC and the host, and you're surrounded by different alumni, actors and directors, producers from pick any of the James Bond films. You can, you can even do a whole series of this. I mean, is that something that you could see yourself doing? I would love to do that, yeah. I could think of nothing better, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it, to, to ask direct questions to people about all the things you're obsessed by. The thing is, I think sometimes super fans know more about um, the films than the people in them the people in them they make them and you know they enjoy them and then they're on to the next thing right and so um and so yeah i suppose if we're pitching the questions right it would be it would be exciting i just think the super fans have often got really specific questions that to the participants are sometimes a bit a bit boring <laughs> um and i remember interviewing roger moore and i you know, asking him oh do you know remember the last scene you ever filmed as james bond and he went no and I thought, oh, I would have thought it would have been a major, a major, you know, memory for him. But it wasn't. It was just, it was a job, you know. And he finished that. He's probably thinking, well, what am I doing next? I'm going a holiday next week or something like that. But he wasn't really thinking, oh, this is the end of an era, you know. I wonder, I think for Daniel, maybe there was a great, perhaps a greater sense of it. Right. Because he, they released a picture, didn't they, at the end of shooting. Um, with Daniel and the, and the, and the director together. And, um, mm. and it seemed like, I don't know, it just felt like it was almost like Daniel saying, well, that's it, goodbye. Yeah, it did look like that. What an amazing thing to go on a high though, you know? I know the movie's not been seen yet, but incredible, isn't it? To sort of leave a role behind 
before people want to want you to leave it behind. It's it's absolutely amazing. And I think that's why it has so much gravitas for all of us. It, it feels big, you know, and it's not just for him, it's for the Bond fans. We've it's seen him through this journey. Isn't the running time, isn't it make it the longest Bond movie? It is. By how is long? It, what, is, what is the running Two time? hours and 54 minutes, something like that. We Nearly three hours. We're getting a sort of the Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> of Bond movies. It's good uh, value for your money. Well, yes, but I do think when they are on the longer side, because Casino Royale is on the long side, isn't it? It is, yeah. And on so what? What are the so is Honor Majesty's the longest Bond movie apart from, apart from No Time to Die? I think it might be. And then is it Casino Royale? They'll correct us in the comments. Trust me. Um, but then I think Casino Royale is a very, very close to that. I mean, I that extra time. If you think about both of those movies, they tell really emotional stories. Yeah. And there's time. Yeah. For, us, for there to be real character development, um, not just for Bond, but for the other characters too, and for us to go on an emotional journey. So I'm, if, if that's what No Time to Die is aiming to do, then that's very exciting. And I've, you've talked to me about this before also, that um, those two movies, you quite like them because they did something different. You know, Bond falls in love, gets married. Next one, Bond falls in love. And there looks like, from the trailers even, there is some relationship connection here. That would be very, very exciting. Well, you've got you've got a brilliant cast. I mean, Anna de Armas yeah. and Leah Seydoux, you've got two incredible actresses at the uh, absolute top of the game. So that is very exciting. I mean, I'm, I've no idea what happens in the story, yeah. um, but I'm very intrigued. And, um, and I'm sure Daniel will want something to happen that's never happened before in Bond movies. I mean, that's something you feel like has happened quite a lot on his watch and we, we've seen you know m die we've seen um you know eva green's character die you know yeah. vesper in, in, in casino royale which is a very very untypical thing to happen in a bond movie isn't it to have that kind of downbeat ending and then we've also had this idea of the continuity between mm -hmm. the movies that has never really been developed in the way it has so i'm True. sure there's going to be some really rewarding things for the fans and there's a big promise from a marketing standpoint because one of the trailers actually comes right out and says, this will change everything. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, right, I mean, it's big. We've got to wait, but it's always worth waiting for James Bond. It's just, it feels like the great thing about James Bond is, you know, whatever's happening in the world and whatever might be happening in your life, it never lets you down. It's always there mm. and it's always going to give you pleasure. And I know some people, for some people it's football because I've got friends who are like, you know, whatever's happening in their life, they can, they can, you know, stop worrying about it and worry what's going to happen on, on the football pitch. For me, it's James Bond. So it's like, it's like revisiting an old friend. It's like, yeah. and, and, um, and so for me, it's like, whatever's happening, it's like, oh, well, I've always got, that box set of James Bond movies. So we've never had the worst day ever. Whatever's happened, yeah. for two hours or so, I can go into the magical world of James Bond and lose myself and I'll be a lot happier. It's and a warm, warm blanket. It's like a, it's like a whoopee. You know, you just wanna. Yeah. And, oh. it never, and it never lets you down because no. the quality has never, has never gone off. You know, it's always been, there's always been a standard. Um, and, that can't be said for many film franchises. And if you think about how brilliantly the Jaws franchise started, 
you know, it starts with one of the best movies ever made. By the time, you know, I'm not trying to do down on the people who are in the sequels, but you know, it got it got worse every every movie got worse than the last one. Yeah, Bond. You know, it's like it sort of took a while to get going, and then there's all these different peaks to it, and um, and so it's just this most magic thing. How can you keep something of this kind of quality for nearly sixty years? But they've they've done it at one family. It's amazing. It's an extraordinary thing. My greatest wish is that when we have these discussions, the next one, or at least one in general, will be in October in person. That would be very nice, yeah. And we can do some, hang out and do some Bond, we can visit some Bond haunts, and we can, um, I'd also like to think if we could get a screening room and get some Bond fans together and watch an old movie, maybe... Maybe we'll watch Doctor No and then um, huh. watch No Time to Die, maybe. Somewhere. I love it. The bookends. Yeah, yeah. So what Bond movie are you going to watch tonight? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I probably won't watch one tonight, but I will watch one tomorrow. What are you going to watch? Uh, t yeah, that is, the, that is the right question. Um, I've been doing these debates with another YouTuber, the other YouTuber that you like, Calvin Dyson. Yeah, I like that's him. like... Yeah. Um, and uh, we just did a You Only Live Twice one, which was a good debate. Um, but I'm probably going to watch a Pierce Brosnan film. And believe it or not, I think it's going to be Die Another Day. Good. Good for you. Do you want to know why? Yes. I'm, I'm happy to tell you. Um, I'm actually doing a video, a shaving video, using the exact correct electric razor and I think it's just going to rip my face up. Um, the, the whole scene when he goes in there and he looks like a, a million dollars after, you know, the, the beard that you covet. Um, so this will be research. All right. Okay. Research for that. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. What about you? You're, are you uh, seeing a film tonight? What, what Bond will I like to watch tonight? Um, I'm quite in the mood for Casino Royale, actually, I think. Oh. Because I'm never not in the mood for Casino Royale. Yes. There's something about it. Because it's sort of, it, it's probably the boldest new beginning for any book. Because it's, it could, it, in a way, it's like there's never been a Bond movie before it, isn't it, when you see it? Yeah. Um, it's That's so true. Bold, it's sort of the boldest reinvention. So well, I'll watch that. But also, I just think, I just love all the cast in that. I just think it's such a powerful film. Um, I love this uh, David Arnold score. Um, I love Evergreen. I just like, you know, crazy about her. So I, <laughs> I quite, I, I'd like to watch that. And I do think films with sad endings you often want to return to. So I'm, it is. I, I'd like to watch that. But I'm often thinking what would be the best double bills for Bonds. I'm thinking of an octopus mm. you never say never again double bill. Oh, the kind of duking it out a little bit. And also a Thunderbolt never say never again double bill. Yes. Yes. No, but that's a really good idea to really see the dichotomy between the two. <laughs> I, I think there's, there might be a clear winner there, but I don't want to yeah. say. When I was a kid, the first double bill I saw at the cinema, um, Bond double bill, was Spy Love Me and Live and Let Die. Oh. Just uh, amazing. I mean, just what an incredible double bill because they're pretty different movies, but they're both so thrilling. I do think we need to see Daniel Craig in his naval uniform. Absolutely. I don't know if it's just me, but I have a I have a desire to see him in his naval uniform because 
Ron never looks more handsome than when he's in his naval uniform. I was so happy to see the poster and obviously, you know, and Peel do the commando sweater, because yeah. to me, that's one of the closest he's ever had to being in a military-like outfit. Yeah, have you collected the posters for the release dates that are not actually gonna happen? Yes. yes you do. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got standees, I've got so much, I've got even popcorn containers that have all they'll the wrong dates on it. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be rather prized, won't they? In, uh... It's fun to watch, just all the dates go flying by. <laughs> well, it's been lovely talking to you. Oh, so good talking to you. I'm happy to talk about James Bond anytime, especially with someone who's, even, I'd say, even more passionate than I am and even more knowledgeable than I am about it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. There's so much to talk about. All right, same time next Saturday? For sure, for sure, David. <laughs> uh, we'll take care. Um, in, enjoy Die Another Day. Thank you. And enjoy Casino Royale, but you, you will have no trouble doing that. No, I know. It's, it's pretty perfect, that movie, isn't it? It is. All right, David. Thank you so All much. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for watching this episode. If you want to be up on the latest from the Bond experience, just click on this subscribe and subscribe to our channel. You're going to get all the latest and greatest information plus some exclusive content. And by the way, speaking of content, here's something especially for you just because we know you. Talk to you soon.